How we doing? Welcome back to the recap. Very special guest coming in a few minutes. We had on the curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame, keeper of the cup, Phil Pritchard. So we'll get to that interview. But we first wanted to kick off with a couple stories over the last week. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to bring up. Uh, but before we do that, how are we doing, Bryce? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. <laughs> yeah, he's looking good. He's glowing a little bit. We actually recorded the interview before this. So uh, awesome interview. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Uh, definitely stick around for that. We'll, we'll try and keep this part of the episode uh, as tight as possible because that's that's really the meat and bones. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. So I want to start this off with the first thing I kind of saw this week. Uh, Brent Seabrook retires. Just want to do a quick shout to him. Brent Seabrook, legendary player, uh, probably Hall of Famer, I would say. Uh, I don't know what, what your thoughts are on that, but no, uh, just it, want to do a quick shout to him. Yeah, absolutely. It's just sad that he had to go out because of injury and he couldn't go out on his own terms, especially with yeah. the career especially with the career that he's had, like, but I mean, I hope everything's good, but he's going to enjoy retirement and his, uh, I'm sure that his, that his, um, his bank is looking pretty healthy too. So (laughs) his bank's been looking healthy since midway through his career. And I think these last couple of years was just collecting extra paychecks, but yeah, sucks. He had to retire because of injury. Unfortunately, it, it feels like that happens a lot in the NHL, especially for these guys who go for so long, you know, eventually at some point your body just breaks down, but a legendary career. And I would imagine hall of famer. So uh, maybe Phil will be talking to him soon, giving him the call. (laughs) Uh, And then really, Oh, and then, so I saw this tweet earlier today. This is the next thing I want to talk about. It comes from his name is sod. Yousef, I believe. Apologies if I butchered that. But <laughs> another big milestone we saw a couple days ago, uh, Nick Backstrom get a 700, 700th assist. So that was awesome. So I think it was last night or the night before, Jamie Ben got his 700th point. And <laughs> when asked how he felt about that, like, is it such a great accomplishment, blah, blah, blah whatever. His response was basically, I don't feel any different. I don't give a shit. Like, I really don't care. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that tweet, but it's just funny. I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that up. The guy has 700 points in the NHL, uh, and he could care less. Well, Pasta had a similar reaction about his 400th point yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was it only has bit- 400? Holy. Yeah. It feels like he hasn't been in the league that long. I guess he's been in what now, like five, six years almost. Yeah. So I guess that that makes sense. And he's also beast. Um, we also saw Austin Matthews first to 20 goals. People are talking about 50 and 50. Um, obviously, that has not happened in a very long time. Uh, who was the last to do it? Either, what was it, Neely maybe? Um, Might be Neely. But – Regardless, pretty much an unheard of feat in today's NHL. He's got 20 and 24. I, I don't 
think he'll do it. Uh, maybe he gets 50 in the, in the 56 total, but that's going to be hard. But I mean, if he, he's, he's on a good pace right now, I think the next closest is like McDavid with 15, maybe. And then the other thing I was looking at too, that when I was looking, you know, seeing uh, Matthew stats, I looked at McDavid, McDavid has 45 points in 20 games or 21 games or something like that. Is it, or actually I think it's 26 or 26. It doesn't matter. Is it possible that we see him put up a hundred in 56 games? That would be absurd. But I honestly think he has a better shot at doing that than, than Matthews has at getting 50. Yeah, I do. I do want to, uh, just pump your tires real quick. You nailed that the goal stat right on the head. McDavid oh, has did? 15, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was looking at it earlier today. He's got 15 and 30. So, guy's an animal. And for my money, I know Matthews is having a great year, but that team's loaded. And what we were talking about Edmonton the other day, I think McDavid's far and away the uh, Hart Trophy winner right now. I mean, I – Honestly, I think it's going to end up being like a, a LeBron in the NBA thing where he's just going to be the best player every year and he's not going to get it. You know what I mean? So, but for me, most valuable to, to his team for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're coming to, this is really the big thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the interview with Phil. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a there's a new moral authority in the NHL, uh, and his name's Brad Marchand. Apparently, this this guy. Oh, this guy, Bryce. I get like he's an awesome player. He does what he does. He has to be trolling. This guy, what three or four times already this year has just come out calling other people scumbags yeah. for this and that and the other thing. And then literally like 24 hours after he calls out Tom Wilson saying, oh, blah, blah, dirty hit, whatever. We'll get into that in a second. He absolutely cross-checks this Devils player right in the back of the neck. Ty Smith. Like, all right, bro. Yeah, I got <laughs> thoughts on that on your on your boy. I mean, your man's is wilding on Twitter. He's wilding <laughs> to the media. Ever since he's like came into the league, he's always been the guy to watch because you don't know what the hell is going to happen. Like whether it be Twitter or on the ice, whether he's slew footing somebody or cross checking them behind the head, I don't know. But I'm okay with. Like he's scoring, he's getting points, but like, I have no idea what to say here. I mean, in fairness, his record has been clean lately, but it's literally like, dude, you, you're talking about Tom Wilson. Like he's the, the biggest criminal in the league when literally you guys have a rap sheet, like the same length, to be honest. So it's like, I I don't know. (laughs) And just the Trump card of like, dude, you lick the guy's face. So, uh, <laughs> if you hey, if he did that in this year in the in the NHL, he'd get put on trial. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but moving on to the other part of that, obviously, like it's in good fun. Like I I like that Brad Martian is the bad guy. 
I like that the Capitals and the Bruins have been going so hard at each other. They've been probably the biggest rivalry in this division, which is awesome because they're, I mean, to me, they're the two best teams. They're going to be battling it out for first place all, all year long. I To um, add on that real quick, I really yeah. hope that we see a matchup in the playoffs these two. Yeah, I mean, if it's what we were saying where I believe it's top of the division plays bottom and goes from there, it could end up being that if they're the one, two seed and they beat the uh, three, four. Yeah. You know, it's going to be them in the second round. So whatever. I just don't want to play the penguins in the second round. I still have nightmares, even though we did it that one time. Oh my God. Uh, (laughs) Anyways. uh, But although Islanders are in first place right now, which is so random because like two weeks ago, I thought they were awful. And now all of a sudden they're just in first place. They've rattled off, like, I don't know. I don't think they've lost in regulation in, like, 10 games or something. Yeah, with help of uh, Oliver Wallstrom. Yeah, he's been good. They're just so boring. Dude. Oh, I know. They're so boring. Yeah. I and I feel like they just play night, the Penguins every asleep. night. They, they play the Penguins every night, and it's li- it's literally – I've watched a couple of those matchups. It's the most boring game ever. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, rolling back to the Brad Marshman thing, the other side of it, why he's making his big comments, Mr. Moral Authority over there, is this Tom Wilson hit. He gets suspended for seven games, and I know what everybody's going to say. They're going to be like, oh, Briar, you're being a homer. You love Tom Wilson. I do love Tom Wilson. But watch the hit. And look on social media, look at there's reporters, there's media, there's people in the like in the league, former players, blah, blah, whatever, whoever it's out there. This is not one of the classic Tom Wilson, like, yeah, he crushed a guy that makes sense, whatever. The principal point of contact was not the head. If you wanted to call that boarding, that's fine. That's fine. But no one in the history of the NHL, look this up, has ever been suspended for a boarding penalty. Ever. Ever. And, okay, so if you don't like that hit, then that's fine. It can be like the NFL switches their rules on the fly. Oh, this happened. So now we get the tuck rule or this rule or whatever. Okay, that's fine. You don't like that hit. You want it out of the game. That's fine. Make the rule. Do it. And the next time it happens, you punish that person. You don't just make up a rule and immediately enforce it when it's not, when there's no precedent set at all. You can't do that. So (laughs) that's my opinion on that. And I probably wouldn't be as passionate if it wasn't Tom Wilson. But regardless of who it is, that's what I would think. If it was Brad Marchand who did that, to me, that's a clean hit. And we've talked about hits before. A clean hit? Well, sorry. Not sorry, <laughs> not a suspendable hit. That's okay. a, it can be a penalty. It can be a boarding penalty. That's what it was. It was boarding. He hit the guy into the boards. Hard. I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. It's a hard hit. So anyways, and I think you can attest to this, regardless of who it is, whether it's Tom Wilson or someone else, for the most part, on a lot of these suspensions, I'm usually on the side of the player. Um, unless, obviously, it's blatant to the head. But 
I think there's a lot of gray area and for there to be no precedent and seven games all of a sudden in a shortened season. So that's basically like he got suspended for 12. I don't know. So go ahead. (laughs) All right. I'm trying to do this without trying to reach to the computer and strangle you, but personally, I think that he went directly for the head, but not on purpose. And with that being said, I also feel like seven games is a lot. I, they took into account his history, which in that scenario, I don't know if that should really go with that because what are you going to do about a non-purposeful hit that may accidentally lead to his head? You're, you're going to suspend, you're going to throw the book at him in a, in a shortened season, which like you just said, seven games is a 12 games in regular year. That's a lot. And I'm trying to do this without me being a homer too. Like I personally, I think that three games, maybe two games, maybe, but Mm -hmm. not, not seven. And again, I wouldn't be as fired up about it if it was that. Yeah, but seven games, dude, is just crazy to me for that. And what they take into account is the 25 game suspension from a few years ago. But to my knowledge, they supposedly he has a quote unquote clean record now because he hasn't done anything in a certain amount of time. So supposedly that wasn't part of the decision. But how can you say that when you're then giving him this giant suspension for something that's never no one's ever been suspended for? Well, then you go and look at the the NHL player safety video that they made, and they mention his record. Yes, and also <laughs> that too. If you want to say that, oh, it was a hit to head, it was a hit to head, blah blah blah, whatever. They literally say in that video that it was not illegal contact to the head. They did not call it that. It would that so the yeah. That's all I, I'm saying. I understand that. I understand that. All right, now that I'm fired up. Uh, I said one last note, uh, recommendation. I'm sure if you listen to Chicklets too, I think, uh, RA mentioned it, but I actually read this book, Bear Town, but new show out, uh, on HBO. It's in Swedish, but it's basically about a town. It's basically Friday night lights for hockey in Sweden. Um, so if you like Friday night lights, if you like hockey, really, uh, it's cool. I've watched the first couple episodes. I think it's only five or six episodes i don't know if there's gonna be a second season or what um so i would check that out for you um, yeah i definitely want to do that but pretty cool show uh but all right unless you got anything else bryce no nothing else all right all right then we're gonna throw it over right here to phil pritchard all right we've got a very special guest today uh, I had the pleasure of meeting this man a couple of years ago. Uh, he brought a, a very special uh, trophy to one of the Mariners games we were working at, and I uh, really appreciated that. So uh, thinking about it, looking for different guests, I said, you know, who's an interesting guest we could get on? And uh, I figured, you know, the curator of the Hockey Hall of Fame and the keeper of the cup, Phil Pritchard, would be a good one to uh, have on. So, Phil, welcome to the show. How are you doing? 
Ryer, I'm doing great. Obviously, last time we saw one another, it was a different world compared to it is now. And I mean, if you remember that game, uh, it was a great turnout. The weather was nice and everything. And hey, the weather's nice here now, but the world is kind of kind of unique right now. But we're managing and we got hockey. So what else can you ask for? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And me and Bryce were, were saying on a podcast a while back when the, when the NHL started up again, it, it was a big savior to have that every day, you know, just watching hockey to, you know, it's, it's tough to be around people and everything like that. But the one thing we can all enjoy together is hockey. And it's been a great season so far. Uh, you got any any hot takes on the season so far? Or you, you've well, been watching? you know what? I mean, you, I guess, Ryan, you look back to uh, last year, how it finished off and, they created the bubble, the NHL in Toronto at Edmonton, and it worked great. And you got the Stanley Cup champion that was well-deserved in Tampa. And, and now here we are almost at the halfway point of the NHL season. And you look at the teams, they've got new divisions, but the rivalries are created are unbelievable, I think, right now. And what you want to see at the end of it all is, is rivalries. You want to see as even as scale as you can. And on the ice, it seems any given night, any team can win. I mean, Toronto goes and beats Edmonton, and then they lose to Vancouver, who Edmonton beats Vancouver. So, and that works in every division, but it's it's anyone's game. And I think I read some play, spots where players said it's a sprint to the finish line, and that's what it is. With a shorter season, it's unique, and it, it continues on. But I think, as you mentioned, the uh, the entertainment that hockey has – has been outstanding in 2020 and now in the 2021 season as well. Definitely, definitely. And you see teams, you know, teams like my capitals and teams like the stars who have had COVID issues that it really is a sprint and anything can really happen. Like we expect the stars to be a team at the top and they've had a rough go of it, but I wanted to ask you before we get into you, what's the buzz like up in, in Toronto with them being so good this year? Well, I, I think it's twofold, actually. First, because there's a Canadian division, so all the Canadian teams play one another, which is pretty exciting for, for Canadian fans right across the country because you see a, a lot of rivalries being built up and rebuilt again, like the Battle of Alberta with Edmonton and Calgary. Uh, Toronto and Ottawa, Toronto and Montreal keep going at it back and forth. But the Leafs are playing great. But in, in saying all that, as we talked about, it's, it's a shortened season, so anything can happen. And I think once the teams get in the playoffs, it'll it tighten up and go from there. But hey, at the end of it all, it's let's be political. May the best team win, Ryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So, is that where you're at right now? Are you up in Toronto? Has this whole thing kind of? Um, do you normally move around a lot during the season, or are you normally in Toronto until someone wins the cup? What is kind of what is it looking like for oh, you right i now? mean right now in in ontario especially uh where i am we are still in a quarantine here so i am not at work i, I live outside of toronto so i'm at my home here uh so we are doing everything from home on zoom or microsoft or google or however everyone else is getting around and and making it work uh the hockey hall of fame museum is closed and so are all museums across canada right now but usually at this time of year, we'd be doing either a minor hockey tour or a charity tour, getting ready for the playoffs, which would usually start the first week of April. But this year is going to start the second week of May. So 
as we go along with this COVID-19 and see how vaccines turn out and see how people can travel, I think there's a lot of time between now and the playoffs start and there's a trade deadline coming up and people are got all the buzz about who's going to get traded to a Canadian team or go to an American team and are they going to be able to play because of quarantine and everything. I mean, there's a lot of factors off the ice that everyone has to take into consideration. But like you said, we, we've got hockey to watch and that makes it all good. All right, so I want to shift gears here. That was a good little impromptu start, um, just getting your take on the NHL thus far. But we want to go all the way back. Uh, you obviously have a super interesting job. Probably, I would say, the best job than other than actually playing in the NHL. Um, <laughs> I don't know Travel around that. with the Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but where? how did you get into hockey? When did you fall in, uh, fall in love with hockey? Where did it all kind of start for you? Did, were you a player? Were you know? Was it just you love to be a fan? What? How did it all start for you? Well, you know what? I, I my background is actually Northern England. My family's from there, so my parents moved us over uh, years ago, and hockey really wasn't part of my family's plans. But living in Canada and on a small street, everyone played street hockey and road hockey, so you got to love the game that way. And my first game I ever got to witness, uh, Montreal beat Boston. So I figured I'm a Montreal fan. They won, so why not? I didn't know a lot else about it. Uh, but I did play the game. I, I realized pretty young that I wasn't going to go anywhere. And if I wanted to be in hockey, I better look at a different side of things. And I always, Briar, I always collected cards and souvenirs and did stats and all that of all the guys growing up, obviously, long before Google and everything. So I wrote it down in my scrapbook and that. So I, I got into that side and went to sports administration course in college. And I think the great thing about it, it was the co-op internship that helped me so much. So volunteering, which as we all know, to get into fields, you got to volunteer to put in your time. And, and there's nothing wrong with that because you meet people, you learn, and, and that's what it's all about. My my co-op was with the Ontario Hockey League, the junior league in Canada that a lot of guys go on to the NHL. So that was my step in the door. And also that year, which was very unique, and especially in Canada, our college teachers went on strike, which doesn't sound, you know, whatever, but we didn't have any more school. So I asked the Ontario Hockey League, can I just come in every day? And my boss at the time said, Rich, as long as I don't have to pay you, you can stay here all you want. So I did. I don't think he thought I was going to, but I stayed. And eventually he said, you know what? You took it to heart here and you, you're dedicated. So we're going to find a spot for you. So it kind of went from there. And uh, 1988, and saying that, it's a long time ago now, I got into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And we had a small staff. So, you know, everyone did everything. And the cup had to go out one day and I was a new kid on the block. So I kind of volunteered to go and that was Northern Toronto. The next week it had to go to Dallas, Texas, even before the stars were there. So I went there and it kind of just, I don't know if it snowballed from there, if you want to call it that right, or just, I guess I kept putting up my hand and it, it became kind of part of me, I guess. And now traveling with the cup and, I think people get all upset if they see me and they don't see the cup or they see the cup and they don't see me. I, it's, it's kind of gone hand in hand, but it's uh, 
like you guys, I mean, working in a sport and hockey, especially love getting up in the morning, love what we do. And that's what makes it so special. I think, and I'm very fortunate. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's awesome. And I, I told a lot of, I told a couple of people beforehand, I was like, yeah, we got, we got Phil coming on. We got Phil come on. They're like, why do I know that name? I'm like, yeah, he's the one, you know, he's always with the cop. You see him out on the ice. Uh, you've never learned his name, but they'll know you now. So uh, I think you kind of answered Bryce's next question, but Bryce, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? No, I mean, it's just so interesting. Cause like I've seen, I've seen the cup four times. And I've seen you four times. Like, literally, you're with that thing all the time. See, exactly what I say, Rice. I mean, that's what it is. And, and you know what? It doesn't matter where we are, whether we're in uh, Midwest or New England area through Maine and New Hampshire and all of that. Their, their hockey fans are so passionate about the sport. And not just at an NHL level. It could be college level. It could be minor hockey, whatever. You can... Fans are so dedicated to the game. They love the history of it. They want to be educated about it. And the Stanley Cup is a big part of that, I think, that it tells the story of this great game that's on ice. And, and people love sharing stories. And I love listening to them and, and hearing their memories and sharing my memories and that. And I, I guess, Bryce, if the, if the Cup could talk, it would be a bestseller. It, it can't, so you guys got to talk to me instead, I guess. <laughs> And that's why we got you on. <laughs> yeah. So real quick, I want to talk about, because obviously most people know you as the keeper of the cup, but the other piece of your job, curator of the hall, kind of what is it in short, because um, I know we don't have a ton of time and you could probably go on forever, but what does that kind of entail? And what is maybe another piece of hockey history? Your other, obviously the cup is the cup, but what yeah. is your other favorite piece in the hall that, you know, you love to show people, you love to talk to people about that, you know, holds a special place in, in hockey history. Well, for you. I mean, it's kind of a two-part question you asked there. One, I'm, I'm all the curator at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I look after all the hockey side of the museum. And in saying that, working with all the teams at any level, any league worldwide on preserving hockey history. So whether it's the Maine Mariners or whether it's, you know, the Boston Bruins, or University of New Hampshire, whatever it might be, uh, hockey history is happening every day. So we're trying to stay on top of it to preserve that history because in all museums, you're only as good as your past. And hockey's got a great history behind it, uh, like no other sport. They're, the trophy is the same every year. And it, it's, it's so special. And the aura of hockey is so unique. So a big part of my job is making sure our archives are always up to date with hockey history. In saying that, when I take people through the hall, I love our goalie mask display. The, the history of the goalie mask, it, it's not very old. I mean, believe it or not, goalies were, didn't wear goalie masks until the 1960s. Before that, it was just plain face, which is crazy. And that's probably a whole nother podcast. <laughs> but you know what? They got into goalie masks in the 60s, and then they started painting them. And now they've got all their designs and... There's stories that they tell on the goalie mask that talks about the goalie and his hometown or the team he plays on and taking people in there and they see the colors, they see the, the logos, they see the stories. To me, that's a great part of the museum is, is sharing the goalie mask story because 
everybody knows a goalie. I mean, at one time it used to be the, the fat kid at the play net. It's not anymore. He's probably the best athlete in the game now is the, uh, is the goaltender because he does so much. I guess, could you compare him to the pitcher in baseball or the quarterback in hockey? Uh, maybe in a way, but at the end of it, the goalie is the last line of defense and you can get by every other player, but if you don't get by the goalie, doesn't score. Yeah, and we've seen that time and again where the goalie can, especially in the playoffs, can basically win you a championship. Bryce is a big Bruins fan, knows that. Tim Thomas carrying them that one year. So, And I love the goalie mask too. They, they tell a story. It's a great way to tell a story when they're on the ice with a lot of them, um, you know, whether they put a memorial to someone they know or someone from the town, different things like that. So it, it is really cool. Another question I had, in, in for you that I kind I know for the most part what the deal is, but I know I, I explain this to a lot of people and they don't really understand. So can you talk briefly about the cup and how it is the Stanley cup, but there's more than one, but there's, it's not like other trophies where there's, you know, they make a new one every year. And the thing with the rings, how do you decide goes on and where the rings go and they're they're full and, and yeah i mean it's like a, it's a it's a great story the the story or the legend of the stanley cup prior dating all the way back to when lord stanley donated it in 1892 and its first winner was 1893 and at the time the cup was like a fruit bowl it uh it was very, hey can we stop for a second my, my dog's barking here i gotta let her out is that okay okay yeah, yeah. hang on sorry real quick so um, all right, quick break to let the dogs out, but we're back. We were talking about the cup. So uh, you were going to tell us about yeah, so, uh, the kind I mean, of, a little the, bit about the history. Yeah, the story of the Stanley Cup, Briar, dates back to 1892 when Lord Stanley brought it over from England. And it was basically a fruit bowl, about seven inches high. First year when it was in 1893. But what has happened over the past 128 years, it's now three feet high and... Uh, just over 36 pounds. So every year the team that wins it, as you said, in, in other sports, they make a new trophy every year, but in hockey, they generally use the same trophy. And that's what makes it so special. So as the team wins it, you get your name engraved on the cup. And over time, as you can imagine, the, the, uh, the cup gets filled up. So what we do every 13 years now, we remove one of the bands from the top of the cup and that gets retired into the Hockey Hall of Fame and they're still a Stanley Cup champion. They're a member of the union of, a, of being a Stanley Cup winner, and it, it's on display there forever. But by removing that ring, it gives us the opportunity to add another ring to the bottom. So that whole process happens again. And so it does evolve. It does change. But it remains that same look. And it's that hourglass shape that everyone's come to know and, and recognize as the Stanley Cup. And you know, Brian Trache once said, uh, and he's a seven-time Stanley Cup winner, he said, the cup's the perfect height to hold over your head. So when you think of that, it's three feet high, you think, why do you want to make it any bigger or any wider or heavier? It's the perfect height for a champion to hold over its head. So that's what the trustees and the National Hockey League and the Hockey Hall of Fame takes into consideration when altering these rings. And and for those listeners that have never had the chance to come to the Hockey Hall of Fame and see how that all happens, 
you can walk into Lord Stanley's vault, which is an old bank vault, and the whole story of the cup is there. And it would be a great thing if we could take that whole display on the road to show people because, I mean, there's 128 years of winners there and the rings that they win and the mini cups and all the memories and that, it, it's all comes to life right there. Uh, and like I said earlier, I mean, if the cup could talk, it would be a great, be a bestseller all the time because each little ring on that cup has a story. And there's a new chapter being told every year and the next one will be sometime this July somewhere in North America. Exactly. And it really is the perfect trophy. Whereas I don't know how for a hundred years, other teams have, or other leagues have just watched the Stanley cup ceremony and not been like, maybe we should make our trophy a little bit bigger. I don't know. So uh, Bryce, you can take over here for the next couple. Yeah. So uh, what is your first like story about the Stanley cup? My first story, you mean my best story or my first story that I ever had with it? Um, you, either just, or, either or. I, well, <laughs> probably well, best. Me, okay, well, here's, here's a great one. I mean, hockey's played in 90 countries around the world now. So everybody that picks up a stick or puts on skates arguably wants to come to North America and either play college hockey or junior hockey and then go on to the National Hockey League. If they make it there, they want to win the Stanley Cup and then have that opportunity to take it home. So of those 90 countries that have played hockey, we've been to 29 of them. So there's been a, some way, reason we've been to that country, but we've never been below the equator yet, which when you think below the equator is probably not traditional hockey world, but is becoming that way. And that shows the impact that North American sport has had on the world, especially hockey because it doesn't have to be a, a cold climate country anymore to play hockey. Like Australia has a league. They've had a league for over a hundred years. New Zealand plays, South Africa plays. I mean, all of those countries down there are starting to play. Taiwan has a league. And I think that's what makes it great because what North America does with the pro leagues and the college leagues and the junior leagues, other countries follow along and their leagues are getting better. And at the end of it, I think, uh, Copying is the best form of flattery. And, and when you got the best going on in North America and all these other countries are following it, I, I think that's what makes it special. So for me, anytime I get to go to a new country, that's my number one story because it, it's, you see the passion that the fans have over there. Uh, you see the desire they have to learn about the game and to get educated in that but they also have their favorite stories and memories of their leagues as well that they want to share as well. So to me, I think Bryce, every time it's a different culture or a different country, I'm thrilled to be part of it and, and can share their stories and hear their stories as well. Yeah. That's do, you have really a cool. do you have a favorite uh, country that you've been to? Bryce wanted to ask that eventually. Uh, well, you know what? I mean, I love, uh, I love going to Finland Finland's a small, small populated country, only about 5 million people, but their hockey is their national sport there. They play it year round, but they have, uh, they have, it's so far north, they have 24 hour sunlight in the summer and 24 hour darkness in the winter. So when you're there in the summer, and we'll use a Boston Bruin example, uh, Tuka Rask was the backup goalie when the Bruins won. So we took it back to Tuka's place and 
you, you have no idea what time it is. It's just light all the time. So you're thinking it's like 10 o'clock at night and it's 4.30 in the morning or something like it's, it's crazy. But for them, the passion they have is unbelievable. But the honor they have to bring the Stanley Cup home to say thank you to their coaches and that, I think that's always special. And, and Finland's always a highlight for me to go to. That's uh, dangerous to have 24-hour sunlight when you're <laughs> celebrating the Stanley Cup. It is, but you think on the other side, Ryer, in, the, in this winter, it's 24-hour darkness, and I, I don't know how they do that. But, you know, I guess they always have something to look forward to. Yeah, that's for sure. Definitely. Um, so what's the craziest thing that you've seen regarding the Cup? Because, like, obviously in 91, it was at the bottom of Mario's pool. Yeah. And then – um at one point Dave Boland got it stuck between two buildings <laughs> and Patrick Kane took it under Niagara Falls so what's the what's the craziest one that you've seen and Ovi swimming in a pond in a, yeah. a pool yeah, I, hate know, it the I cup, mean he but... was swimming in the pond but the cup wasn't in the cup I was know, in the yeah. table beside him uh you know what I, I think Bryce for me one of the I guess best parties I guess you could say craziest parties might have been Timo Solani when he won with the Anaheim Ducks in, in Helsinki uh, that was unbelievable but Philip Grubauer the Washington Capitals is from uh, the Bavarian Mountains in Germany and he lives halfway up the mountain so he's a he's a real mountain man I mean that's his town is on is on a mountain they have their own brewery there and everything and we had the party there and then the next morning we we hiked up a mountain outside of Munich, Germany, on the top of the Bavarian mountains in Germany. We had, he had the cup with him and we hiked up this mountain to a restaurant top and had a German breakfast, which is basically egg and bacon and German beer. I mean, it's, it's no, no difference in North America except they throw the beer in early. But to, but to go up there and to be standing basically on the top of Germany, looking down into the, the German towns and thinking this is how worldwide this game is we're in the Bavarian mountains in Germany with the Stanley cup and there's a Stanley cup winner from here that plays in the national hockey league and wants to bring it home. To me, that is so special. It's not, it's not crazy in party style, but it's, it's crazy when you start thinking of what it actually is. But that, that has to be one of the best things for you is getting to do, you know, maybe something that, typically you wouldn't have done i don't know you could be a big hiker like i'm an avid hiker that's something i would do if i if i were to win the stanley cup to bring it up to the top of the mountain but there's got to be a lot of things that you probably never would have done but that these guys want to do so and you just get to tag along and it kind of kind of brings you out of your your comfort zone but you know you get that life experience yeah you're, you're <laughs> so you right there, yeah. you're so right because uh I don't know if I had ever mountain climb up the Barbarian Mountains. I mean, I'm glad <laughs> I did. But I, I think more than anything, you get a chance to spend the day with the guy and his family and friends. And you see what they're really like off the ice. I'm sure on the ice, they're a hockey player. But off the ice, Philip Grubauer is a, a mountain climber. Like, and that's what's great. You don't, you don't talk what save he made or whatever. You talk about where we're going and, and how, how's he's experienced these mountains and his life and how he got to this point and everything. But you're right. Every time you go to a unique place, it, it's always special in that. And for the guys to, uh, 
think out their day. And then once we arrive, they let us know this is what I want to do. And this to me, this is really special. And I hope you enjoy this part of my day. That's what makes it great because they know the team is one thing, but the team off the ice is another. And that's their buddies. That's their mom and dad, their coach, their teacher, whatever it is. And they want to share it with those guys. And that to me is what a true teammate is. And it's true Stanley cup champion. Yeah. And working in sports, that's one of the best things about it is you kind of, well, it can be good and bad. It's good to be a fan and have the luster, but it's also really cool to get to know these people. Like someone like you, I met you all I knew where you were the guy with the cup, but I got to know you as a person, you know, talk about going, going where you wanted to go down town to get a couple beers in Portland, yeah. uh, <laughs> things like that. And, <laughs> and same thing with the guys on the team with the Mariners, where I would see them out and about town and, I'm not going up to them and asking them about, you know, the goal they scored last night. We're just talking about what's going on in life where I don't know, different things are going to do. And, and that's the cool part about it is you get to see the human element, which not a lot of people get to see. So that's really interesting perspective for you. Um, kind of going off of what Bryce just said about the craziest thing you've seen. Is there anything for you that, is kind of offsides when, when you see it happen or where you really have to step in and be like, Hey, we, we can't do this. We're not doing this. Or are you kind of just like, as long as no one breaks it, go for whatever. Well, I mean, you, I, you kind of set it there with the human element element side of things because you get to know them that way. You hear what they want to do. And the, the player or the coach or whoever wins the cup has so much respect for the trophy that, what they're going to do means so much to them. But then on the other side, their buddies who they've known for a lifetime are so excited and so thrilled for the guy. They are sitting in the guy's backyard drinking all day while we might be out doing something with minor sport or at city hall or his favorite, you know, whatever ice cream shop or whatever it might be. And then when we get back at night, it's, it's usually their friends that, have the offside penalty more than the player because their, their friends are, are so pumped for the guy and, and they're not being disrespectful or anything. They just want to enjoy it as much as, as the player does too. They, because they become part of him and that's where you have to watch it. To me, I, I think it's really fun though. When you, when you hear their buddies call the guy by his nickname and you ask the player after, where's that nickname come from? Ah, I don't want to share that story. That's, that's, that's not a, and, and that's what it's all about because it's that personal for them guys and you become part of their story. And it's, Hey, it's great to be a small part of a chapter each year and to hang out with the winners. It's, it's always a cool thing, but I think at the end, each one of these guys has a story to tell and we bring them all together and the Stanley cup can share all those stories and their stories that are human and that that's the human element of hockey. I think you got one more Bryce. I do. Um, so regarding the travel and everything, how often are you actually on the road with the cup? Usually in a traditional year, Bryce, uh, it's probably 150 to 180 days a year. So almost half, uh, Obviously last year was a unique year. We didn't really travel anywhere from March till September. 
then we were in the bubble through all of September. Then we went to Tampa after that. So we didn't get a lot of days in then. This year so far has been an untraditional year as well. Uh, but I, I think what's great about it is whether I'm the curator at the Hockey Hall of Fame or whether I'm the cupkeeper on the road promoting and talking hockey, wherever that is, it, it's a great way to get up in the morning and, and chat with people about and love sharing stories, love hearing your guys' stories. And I uh, appreciate you guys asking all these stories. I mean, to me, it's the greatest sport in the world. Definitely, definitely. So going off that as well, in those other days where you're not out on the road, what are you doing? What's, what's the human element for you? What do you do other than talk hockey and teach people about hockey? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm a, I'm a big hiker. I'm not a mountain hiker, though. I'm a hiker that goes for distance and, and walks forever and goes. I travel a lot with my wife and my buddies and that. We go every year at least twice around the world and that which is crazy because I travel around the world for a living and then I get home and I want to travel again. So, but to me, I, I, I love sharing moments with my friends and it, they don't, they don't, we don't talk hockey. One of the guys is a, is a radiation uh, cancer treatment guy. We don't talk about that stuff. Nobody talks about work. And I think it's the same when it's with the Stanley cup with the, with the guys, they don't want to talk hockey. They want to talk about life. And that's what we want to do as well. And it's, and it's always great. It's always special, but it's, you know what, it's when it's time to go back to work and you wake up in the morning and you know, you're going to do something you love, you've got the best job in the world. And I, I think anyone that does that, it's pretty special. Yeah, for sure. You gotta, you gotta find that balance. It's, it's nice to have, for me to have a friend like Bryce, we can talk hockey all day, but <laughs> I think. Okay. <laughs> anytime. Maybe we can chat again during playoffs and see where we are and we can go. Hey, I would love to have you back on again. I'm sure you got plenty of other stories. And I was actually planning to swing up to Toronto this past year to check out the hall. Uh, you were kind enough to give me your, your card and say to uh, have the front desk call you when I got there. And I'm still planning on doing that. So Perfect. I uh, hopefully, you know, in the next year or so, I can make that happen. Um, and I'm sure Bryce will love to come too. So hey, right. he'll be That's up there. That's great. Have them both. Come on. I up. went. I went 15 right. years ago. Yeah. And awesome. it was unbelievable. Actually, no, it was 13 years ago. It was during, um, I believe, 2008. Yeah. And it was during the time of the um, the Wings and Penguins uh, Stanley Cup. Oh, okay. So that was the first time that I've ever been up there. But it was unbelievable, and I want to get back there for sure. Well, you got to come again, guys, and hopefully your listeners get a chance to come. We have an off-site archives now, which is a resource center, which is the largest hockey resource center in the world. Has programs, media guys from every league, every college, I mean, all everything. And for hockey fans or hockey buffs, it's like a mini heaven, I guess. And I'm sure it's great, even if, if hockey is not your number one sport. So definitely yeah, we'll check make that it. out. We'll make it their number one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Check out the hall. Appreciate you, Phil. I yeah, really no appreciate problem, you coming on. But let's uh, let's chat again during playoff time or something, or once there's a winner, see where we're going. Absolutely. <laughs> we could be pull back my... in New England. Who knows? Yeah, pull my arm. All right, yeah. we'll have you back on then. 
All right. Thanks guys. again, Phil. We'll talk to you. Okay. Hey, sorry about my dog there too. She just wanted to be on the podcast. <laughs> hey, yeah. Special guest Zoe. We'll put yeah. that. We'll put That's... that in the comments below. <laughs> I will. Uh, I'll send you my uh, social media handles too. All right. Awesome. All Thank right, Bryce. Thank Thanks, bud. Hopefully, we'll see you guys soon. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Be safe.